0: Oh God in heaven we hear these words, we sing these words and there's truth. God you can change, you can do mighty things to this world. They seem impossible for us. We see problems in our culture, we see sin rampant, we see people that have abandoned you, we see bad doctrine we see people that oh, just are going after things of this world. But God, you can turn that around. God, you can turn around the hard parts of our lives. You can turn it around. Lord. And if you choose in your infinite wisdom that that we must endure, that we must go through a situation that maybe our health will not improve, we can hold on to that because we know that that is your call, that you are a God that is sovereign. You are holding this world in the palm of your hand. And No matter what, God, you can overcome. And so, God, we say thank you. We thank you in persecution. We thank you in liberty. We thank you in your grace and in your love that you will never forsake us. Oh, God, we love you so much. And so this morning, as we open your word, Lord, you know, speak to us, that immovable thing, speak to that, speak to that aspect of our lives that we need to grab hold of. Lord, we love you, we look forward to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm gonna do a quick commercial here. And... uh, you know, we're, we're going to be taking a step away from our study in Ephesians, and we're going to be going into a study called the um, Christmas Decor, that's what it's called, and I just want to bring that to your attention, because in, in December, it's going to be fun, you know, there's so many things that are decorating our hearts, especially during the holidays, how many people here worry about stuff sometimes, you know, like Thanksgiving dinner, is the turkey going to be thawed in time, it's happened to us, it hasn't, you know, or we go through worry did I get the right thing or maybe there's a health concern we're going to talk about worry some people deal with that in different ways because you know what we want to have we want to have the trust of God on our hearts sometimes we have doubt sometimes we're wondering about things we want to make sure hey you know what maybe we need to have a little bit more faith in our lives you know sometimes we worry about about the the distractions of the world oh, you know we, we need some peace And so we're going to be addressing these areas. And I challenge you to bring your family or bring your friends because it's going to be a good time for us unpacking the word and applying it to our lives and celebrating this Christmas. Well, now I we want to jump back into our study of Ephesians And uh, I was thinking about this, you know, my mom is in town And she's moved to Arizona now, and, and it's, it's fun And so she comes, she comes over and it's like, you know, there's not a, we're doing a lot of things There's not a lot of things on TV because we stream And so we found the perfect show for her, just, you know, as she can just relax to And it's called Airplane Disasters, anybody ever see this movie or show? Okay, so we binge watched this while she was over for a week, and it's like airplane disasters, and it's a, anybody, anybody see this thing? Okay, okay, all right, so anyway, there's this show, and what they do is they take a real-life accident, an air accident of an airplane, and they do a dramatization of it, and you learn about the people involved and the people on the plane, and then they try and figure out what was the cause and so you can get into this you're like wow this is pretty intense because it's something that really happened and so i don't know why my mom's fascinated by it might have been because she was a stewardess at one time but she's she's totally into this and and basically you see the problems that happen and so much so there was this one airplane disaster that my grandmother was a part of back in the canary islands in 77 there's two 747s that collided on the runway you know and, and she survived that plane crash. But you know what the problem was, and most of the problem, is human error. You know, it was the two air traffic controllers that they were overwhelmed in the Canary Islands during that time, and they weren't ready for what they were dealing with, and they put two planes on the collision course. One of the pilots, in another scenario, he decided, I'm going to go down and I'm going to take off of this runway, and he went on the wrong runway and collided with somebody. Another guy, he wasn't even trained. He couldn't, he kept failing his tests on instruments, but they gave him his license anyway, and he crashed the plane. I mean, it's sad. And it's like, you know, disasters are right there. And and so often in our Christian lives, in our spiritual journeys with God, some of us, we know just enough, but it's going to lead to disaster. We know just enough about the Word of God that you will pull anything out of a hat and say, see, and it's like you know no you're leading people astray your life is on the wrong path There's so many people would say oh this part of the word of God is not for us right now and today in our culture this is what it means no and you're headed for doom and so church we've got to be understanding of some things in the word of God and so today I want to talk to you about avoiding spiritual disasters and I think your spiritual disaster a lot of us are facing is that thing that thinks that we know more than we actually know. We understand better than somebody else and it's something that we can grab a hold of and say, yes, see? And we miss it. See, the word of God is very clear to us. And sometimes we don't like what it says, but that doesn't mean it's not truth. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter five and in verse 15, He says, therefore be careful how you walk that means your life not as unwise but as wise he's saying you've got to be wise you've got to understand you've got to learn because a lot of times we think we're bigger and smarter than we truly are and a lot of times we we just think we know enough and we don't need any more see we got to understand some things very clearly before we go any further about the purpose of the gospel and I, I put it in simple terms like this. The essence of the gospel is about what is not about what you do, but what God has done for you. Now, you're sitting there going, well, Tom, you're telling me I gotta be wise. I gotta study the word. Yes, but you gotta know the reason why. Why do you study the word? It's because of what God has done. Why do we follow and do what we do? It's because of what God has done. A lot of people, they just go, you know what? God, give me, give me, give me. You know what? How dare we? Look what he's already done for us. Think about this. You are destined for a life of misery, loneliness, and eventually hell. You were destined for having a life that was empty and you're filling it with false things and the next thing you know, you look over another false thing and you lose it and you know what? God offers you purpose. He offers you hope and the things that you miss, he's offered you salvation. He's offered you purpose. So how dare we go, no, 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 I want mine. See, the reason we walk as wise, we live the way we live, is because we know what we've got. And so that's the essence of it, and that's what we want to be about. God wants us to have success. He wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to fall into a spiritual disaster. And so what do we do? A verse many people love to to read, and I love it too, is that of Isaiah. and Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, you might know it, and it says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary we see this verse and we're like yes and a lot of christians we take the the cultural idea of the united states you know an american way if i wait on god then i'm gonna be have this new strength and so what do the christians do we go to a church we go home and we're just going i'm waiting bring it on god i need that new strength I want to have those wings you know what that word weight means in hebrew in hebrew it means bind see we have to be bound to god we have to bind ourselves to god we have to be involved with god so that we can have new strength <clears throat> it's not waiting for the sunny day it's you getting involved with god and then you'll know what truth is And church, that is the task of every Christian. The the task of the people out there in the world is they are involved with themselves and their emotions, with their desires, with what they want, what's what makes them happy. And they're not involved with what God says. They're not bound to him. And so you'll see that the, the byproduct of them is they're not gonna have new strength. They will never mount up like with wings like eagles. They will never get ready to go for a new jog they're always going to be tired and they're going to walk and be weary that's the world and so they look for fuel anywhere they can get it but we as christians when we bind ourselves with god when we dig in this is what we go for and you can and i want you to write this down because i think that you need to remind yourself What you can do, and understand this, God has given me, I put it in first person so you can take it home, God has given me the ability to perform. You can do what God has called you to do. We always think, oh, no, I can't, it's too hard. God's ways are too hard. No, the world thinks they are, but God has given you the ability. Christian, you can perform, you can do. The world can't do what you've been called to do, let me remind you of something here. I want to go to Ephesians, our key text in Ephesians chapter 4. And in, and in verse 7, it says this but to each one, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of his, of, of Christ's gift. Now, we see that word grace, and we have to understand what is that term grace? Now we look at it as a gift from God, but it's also a doctrine, and it's also a enabling, a power. And so God here, we see this, that he has enabled you, he's given you this grace, meaning he's enabled you to do. He's enabled you to do the task that is set before you. I want to remind you out of Ephesians, or excuse me, in Romans, I shared last week, I'm going to share it again, but in Romans 12, 6, Paul writes this, it says, but since we have gifts that differ according to the grace, that's the enabling, given to us each of us is to exercise them accordingly you see god has enabled you not only to live the christian life but he's enabled you he's given us gifts to perform he's given us these wonderful things that we can do and this is different than human or natural ability. This is a spiritual gift that is given to those who are in the body of Christ. It's something that you did not have before, and he has given you these things. And we have to understand that he wants us to live in those things. Now, you can read about these gifts. They're in Romans chapter 12. They're in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. And these gifts are for the believer. And every believer, you are bestowed on you at least one gift and we are to be performing those we are to be active in those and we are supposed to be doing the things that we are called to do in those gifts not only living the christian life but working on these gifts now we have to understand that gifts are for the purpose of something very special and they're given for the church they're not selfish gifts that you just go out there and you do that's not the purpose of those gifts the purpose is for the church. And that's why I wrote here, gifts are given for the church, period. So your gift is to help us. Your gift is to assist the church and the growing of the church. And you, we are to perform those things. We are to do and be involved in those things. And church, we are not going to enjoy ourselves we're going to be out of our element, headed for disaster if we aren't about the gifts that he has called us to. So often we, we want to be having a gift that we don't have. I remember a friend, he, had, he said, I have the gift of worship. And man, when you got him on stage, you knew that was not the gift of the Lord. It was like, man, you don't have the gift of the Lord. But then he understood, and finally we got him in the avenue where his gift was teaching. And he just thrived in that. They go, yeah, you can keep praising God in the shower, but just not on stage. You know, the thing is, is that we see that. Look, let's look back now into our main text. Let's go to verse eight. Paul writes, Therefore it says, when he, that's Jesus, ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave, them, and gave gifts to men. Now, what is this saying? When Christ, when Christ ascended from earth, when he came out of the grave and then went to his place in glory, gifts were given to those who believe, those men and women who believe. That's what he bestowed on them. So we see salvation, yes, but there were gifts given. Now let's go down to verse 9, and it says this. Now the expression, he ascended, what does that mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he descended himself also, and he who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Now you're going. What's all that gibberish, right? I mean, that's it. What did he do? He came down, and he when he came down, he he left something. He left his majesty, not his deity. Okay. He came down to earth, and he put aside some attributes. The attribute of being omnipresent and so he could be here with us and he then relinquished control to the father in heaven and so Jesus he comes down to earth and what does he do why did he do that so that he could live among us die for us and then go to glory and so that we could accompany him in glory when our time is done but in the meantime he allotted people believers gifts and he wants us to perform in those gifts he wants us to follow suit in those he's enabled us to them and so church i want to remind you the holy spirit is doing and desires to do something very special through you for the building up of the body he wants to do it and so many of us we're not letting him we're pursuing our own desires to what end Was talking to a guy earlier in the first service and he's just like man i just see it coming like a freight train christ is coming soon and you know what that's the kind of attitude we need to have because if you're going christ is coming soon then you're gonna say you know what maybe i shouldn't be living the lifestyle of selfishness and what i desire but i should be living for christ that's a good motivator i think you know here i am in my 50s and i'm like whoa what happened You know, and how much more time do I have left? I don't want to be wasting it. That's how each of us should live. And so we should be, we should be performing. And so church, we have to go after what God has called us to do. And to perform, there's something, there's a step we need to do. God provides me, here it is, a means of discipleship. See, we use the word apprentice here in the church, meaning, hey, you know what? You want to be an apprentice of God. You want to learn God's stuff, how Jesus works, how he goes about, and I want to learn it, and I want to apply it. See, he's given you the means in his church to do this, and we need to be about this thing. We need to be about growing in Christ. Now, um, for those of you that have kids, you know, I, I think of my kids when they were little, you know, you ever give your toddler a baseball bat? You you, you go, oh yeah, here he goes. And he starts whacking it around. You just really learn very fast that that's an outdoor toy, you know, because he's going after the dog and that kind of thing. And the the baseball bat, it's an amazing tool. And it's amazing how the kids can just go wield it around, right? And then then what do you do? You take your child and you go, you go, okay, now we're gonna teach you how to use it. And you're throwing in the ball and you're just like, look at that natural ability. It's amazing. And then you get the T-ball, and you put it up there, and he's whacking the T-ball. You're oh, he's great. To the batting cages we go, right? He's five. He can handle 100 mile an hour. We're up there. And you're up there. You're like, yes. And, the, and you're watching their batting cages, and you're just going, man, here in high school, he's going he's gonna to letter, and we're going to go bat, just right past college, and he's going to go to the pros. You think that as a dad sometimes. You know, and, and in our spiritual journey, there are so many of us that are out there, and we're not even up to T-ball yet. We're just taking our Bible and we're doing this. We're whacking at anything. I know a Bible verse. And you say, you know, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. So there, that's it. You know, and you're taking the word of God and you're out of context. You don't know how to use it. And you're hurting people. You're driving people the wrong direction. And maybe even yourself. You're lying to yourself because you say the Bible said that and some pastor told me. Church, we have to understand that the word of God says and he's given us this ability to learn it. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, Paul writes, he goes, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So he gives us four examples here. And these gifts are for the church, and 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 a lot of people go. These are the gifts that that you know. Maybe I have one of them. Maybe you do, but we misunderstand them a lot because we hear these these terms thrown around in churches i even heard it thrown around this morning and so we've got to understand some things about these what these discipleship roles are see apostles let's talk about that apostles these are men who have had witnessed the resurrected christ and been personally commissioned by jesus that's what it's talking about here so these are the men that wrote the new testament These are the ones, these apostles, they witnessed that we say there's the 12, and they witnessed Christ, and they were commissioned by Christ. And then we see Paul, that he was witnessed Christ and was commissioned by Christ to do. And so we could see that. Then there's prophets. And prophets are in reference to New Testament men who proclaimed God's truth. See, these aren't people who had predictions about future events. See, these are people that God gave this gift, a prophetic gift. Why? Because there wasn't the finished canon of the Word of God. And so if you're out there and you're in you know, Asia Minor and you know, Paul hasn't penned the letters yet, and so what happens is the Holy Spirit speaks to you so that you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus to people. That's what he's saying. And so many people like to say, no, no, I've got the gift. No, what we have now is this. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the living word. And so that we can then teach it. See, that's what, that's what happens today. But there are some other gifts that though those had passed, there are some that are very active, like evangelists. Evangelists are bearers of good news. They're traveling missionaries. See, back in the day, they they would take the good news and literally go over the countryside and proclaim Jesus to people. These are those soul winners. I think of Laura's dad, my wife's dad. He was an evangelist. He had the gift where he would just say, that person needs the Lord, and he would just go over there and figure out a way to witness to them, get into their office so they can talk to them. It was amazing. Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, these these are people with this wonderful gift of evangelism to talk to people about the Lord. That's something that's still active today. And then we see pastors and teachers. These are shepherd of the flock. They guide, they protect, they discipline, and they feed their flocks. See, they are the ones that are dispensing the word, that are giving out the word of God. And and we have to understand that this is a gift for the church. Like all gifts are for the church. We see it very plainly. All these gifts are for the edification and the building up of the church. So we got to understand that this is what, it's, what we're here for. Now, I want to I help us understand a little bit better about evangelists, okay? I put evangelists like this. Evangelists are the obstetricians of the church. They're the ones that deliver the new babes. And you know what? The thing is, is each of us is called to be an evangelist. Some of us have this calling in our lives to go out and be evangelists, but we are to have that evangelical, that that evangelistic side to us of sharing our faith with people. You may not be the person that goes out there and going, I'm going to go over here, over here, over here. But you might be somebody that, hey, I just want to talk to my friend and bring them in. And pastors and teachers are the pediatricians of the church. They grow them. And church, we all need time, and we all need time to grow. We want to grow more and more like Christ, and we should go after it. See, when we see in the Word of God, as we see here, an outlining of jobs in the church, that means the church is needed. See, for a believer to say you've made it, and I don't need the church, you're going against God's Word. He's saying, hey, there are, there are people to shepherd the flock. See, so you go, well, I don't need shepherding. Well, then, are you a pastor? Well, no, I, I belong in God's church, the invisible church. No, we're, we're called to be involved in the small church. For why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. You see, you, we come to learn more. We come to get educated, to grow for why? Service to who? The church. See, right there, we see the purpose is all of us is to be involved in the church. That's the whole purpose. That's why we're here. We're here to get equipped, but we're also here to do. And it's amazing that there are so many doers in our church, and I love it. I mean, I could just look around, and I see so many people that are involved. Why? Because you are here for the service of the body, and that's what we want to be about. Because we're supposed to be about Jesus. And did you know, the more you grow and, and are discipled in Christ, the further away you get from spiritual disaster, the stronger you get, the more success you'll have. But when you aren't serving, when you aren't growing, I find that I'm going backwards. I'm going backwards, and that's when spiritual disaster creeps in. And you might say to yourself, "Going, well, you know, Tom, I've been, a, I've been in a church for 20, 30 years, and I know it all, and I'm pretty smart. With that attitude, spiritual disaster is right around the corner. We need to grow. We need to grow in Christ. That's why we see what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's saying, all's I want. I want more Jesus. Why? Because the more Jesus that is involved in my life, I become more like him, and my life is sure to avoid more disaster than it's already dealt with. See, we gotta understand, church, you are loved. And we are called to love back, to enjoy Him. Jesus said this He said, Do you, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that wherever, whenever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you you see see the 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 progression there jesus chose us so that we could do things for him because of what he's done for us and then when we're going about god's work we're sitting there and we're like yes god and he's just going what do you need what do you need i want to enable you to do more you see we can go further but it doesn't happen unless you are growing And we have to understand this is where we are called to be. We are called, all of us, to be active. Understand this. The biblical model of the church is those in pastoral roles prepare God's people for ministry. So many people look at me and you're the one. We pay you, you go do. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. That's against the word of God. I'm here, yes, I have to do, but you know what? we all do why because we are all ministers we are we are all ministers and if you can grab hold of that statement you will go so far because you'll go yes I'm a minister of God now we think I'm, I'm not that important you might think that so how am I a minister I think of my daughter when she was little she was in the play the fiddler on the roof anybody ever see the fiddler on the roof I love that. Come on. Anybody? That's a, a tradition. I mean, come on. It's like, we'll just break out into song. And it's like, I just love that. You know, I grew up going to it. You know, my parents had a vinyl, and we, we'd listen to it. And then I was like, oh, man, I love Fiddler on the Roof. And she's like, I'm going to be in Fiddler on the Roof. And I'm like, yes. And so she got this enormous role, right? And, and it was really, it was the, the youngest daughter. Anybody, you know who that one is? No one does. I mean, no one knows this role. She had one line. All right? And so what we do, we get there, and we got our cell phones out. We are going to record this, because this is going to be the greatest fiddler on earth. And the people are singing, and they're, they're dancing. And I'm like, ah, wait, wait, wait. You know, and I'm sitting there, and all this is going on. And then it's my daughter's turn. And she said her one line. And I wanted to just stand up and go, yay! And then I wanted to go home, you know? And it was like, ah, oh, it was perfect. Church. See, that's how God feels about you. See, we forget that. We think we're insignificant. We don't think we we have a great role to play, but I'll tell you, God is more interested in us doing the best in our role than us being the star of the show. See, when you are using your gift, when you are performing, when you are being discipled how to use it properly and not swinging it out there, when you are going along and you know what, what is God's doing? Yay! Look at him. Look at her. He's excited for you. And church, that's how we have to look at our lives. You know what? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a mega church pastor, but he's just going, yay! You know, you, you may not be an evangelist, but you witness to somebody, Yay! God wants us to perform, but we can't do it right unless we're being discipled, getting involved. And church, that's what we're here for. That's why we have church. This is what we're all about. We're to be grounded in the word. That's why we have classes. That's why right now, this young people, they're being taught about spiritual gifts because they're never too young to use those gifts. And we've got to understand that because church, this is it. God's goal for me is maturity. It's maturity. And I know a lot of us older people, I know a lot that aren't very mature. They've been coming to church for years and they're saying, yeah, 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 I just come. And they're not mature. See, young people, and it's wonderful, they're more mature. We can learn from their example. So many people are not mature, and so they're saying, you know, that lifestyle, God still loves you. You can live in that lifestyle. That sexual immorality over there, it's okay. You can go to heaven like that because you know what? God loves everyone. No. We have to understand what true doctrine is, what the word of God says, that you know what? The wages of sin is death. That's why when we turn from our sin, we turn to God. It's uncomfortable. But we've got to understand that this is our life and other people's lives. So often in our immaturity, we are saying to some people, that's fine. And you're leading them to a spiritual disaster. And we shouldn't be like that at all. Look what Paul says here in Ephesians, in Ephesians verse um, uh, 12, as it begins. It says, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. We don't wait a t-ball. To the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, you will no longer be children tossed from here to there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful schemings. You see, there are churches out there that say, hey, yo, come over here and just come in. We're gonna tell you what you want to hear. Just put money in the coffer. And then you walk away and you feel good about yourself, but there's no life change. That's not what it's about. That's trickery. You see, the word of God, it's user-friendly, yes, but it's also kind of difficult to grab hold of in the sense of, i don't like that doctrine and people are easily swayed anybody here like 31 flavors baskin robbins oh praise the lord good that was god's gift to humanity you know and i i i I think at 31 flavors we had one by our house and and you know i'd always go in there with the mindset mint chocolate chip because mint chocolate chip, there's no better ice cream. and It's a sure thing, and it's good, and it's wonderful. But I, you go into 31 flavors, and then they have all these different kinds. I don't know where they get the word 31, because there's always another one, right? And you just get in there, and it's like, and you go, and you go, and then you get something. You go, oh, that sounds really good. And you take it out, and it's not mint chocolate chip. It lets you down. It's just, It's a drag. You should have stuck with the, with the good stuff, right? But you were swayed by double malted crunch. See, that's the Christian experience so much. As Christians go in, they know what's right. You know what truth is. You know it's appealing, and you know it helps you in life. But you know what? I'm gonna go to the flavor of the month church. I'm gonna go down there, and I'm gonna try it out because why? It's appealing to me. But you wind up empty because why? Maybe truth isn't taught there. Maybe it is. I'm not going to bag it. You know, it's, it's, it's easy. And that is a sad thing. It's a sad state. See, church, Christians who are mature are steady and focused. They understand the word of God. And that's what we strive for. We don't go to looking for something that caters to our lifestyle. We go looking for something that is about God. As it says here in Ephesians chapter four, 4, verse 15, he says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. What's Paul saying there? Truth and love. See, we like the love side, but we'll forget the truth. You see, you don't love somebody unless you're truthful. See, we want to be truthful for people. Yeah, we could say it in terms, but you don't sugarcoat sin. Oh, that sin's beautiful. It looks good on you. It's a, but you're not, not going to be saved. No, we have to be honest. We love on them. But you've got to say the truth. See, church, truth unites, but, lo- but lies divide. Love unites, but selfishness divides. See, if you want to love somebody, you have to be truthful with them. And I tell you, if you're not, you're selfish. Now, it's selfish to come out on, and, and hold the sign up. Everybody who goes to this church is not as destined for hell. You know, we don't do that. But we, we point out in Scripture where the Word of God says. And it hurts sometimes, but that's truth. Your kid is not going to like to go outside to play baseball, but that's the truth. We understand what God has called us to. And when we understand the truth, when we are performing in that truth, when we are doing the task that God has set before us and and growing in it to maturity, we see what will happen. We see that spiritual disaster is diverted. And we see how the church thrives. And this is how Paul closes this section. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together, By every joint that supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He's saying, if we're enabled to perform, and if we're growing in discipleship to maturity, you know what? The church is going to be united. The church is going to be doing what we're called to do. We're all different. We all have different tasks before us, but we need to be active in them. So you might be an elbow. You might be the elbow helping the arm to do great things. You might be the big toe offering stability. Whatever our task is, God needs us to perform it. Why? Because he created you to perform it. Anything leads to spiritual disaster. So now it's up to you. Will you choose? Will you choose to avoid or will you choose to go after? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for opportunity to serve you in this church. Thank you for the gift that you have bestowed on each believer. Thank you for saving us from a destination called hell. Thank you for giving us a destination in glory. And God, I pray that through our service to you, lives would be one, souls would be one. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that is not following you or doesn't even know you, I just pray, God, that they would say, Jesus, save me. Save me and make me yours. And turn to Him and away from your lifestyle and embrace Him. God, I pray that each of us would continually live for You. I pray, God, that we would do a work for You, that we would enjoy You, and that You would work through us. Bless this church. I thank You for them. I thank you for their zeal. I thank you for their compassion and their desire. Bless them this week as they go. Put people in their lives that they can touch and enjoy and love on and point to you. We ask this in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer, we're going to have some prayer warriors right here. And they're here for you. I just pray you have a great week. Enjoy. May the Lord bless you. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the race.